Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son, how are ya? Hi, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So... We haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Chris Ash Splash Ashman. To be more like Chris, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Oh, and before we start today's episode, I am just going to warn you because our chat with Dr. Mari Cassidy does contain detailed discussion of death, suicide and murder, which may be triggering for some listeners. So please listen with care. Who are you? What do you do? We currently don't have a clue, but give us 40 minutes of your time And we'll get along just fine on the Joe Marler Show It's the Joe Marler Show Hello, and fucking say it all the time Hello, and welcome to our show I'm Joe Muller, and this is Tom Fordyce. Now, hang on. Hello, it's me. You're looking for... No. Not doing none. I'm doing Adele. Oh. Hello, it's me. I am Joe Muller, and this is Tom Ford. It doesn't work. I should just go with hello and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Tom Fordyce, but that is shit. So I'm going to go with hello and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Tom Fordyce. Hi, Tom. Hello, me, Joe Joe. Now, today we are going to be speaking to Dr. Mari Cassidy, who is a forensic pathologist. But first, I've got an issue, right? Have you ever had a top? that smells and I don't mean a top that smells because you've worn it when you're sweaty a top that smells there's something about it smells yeah I I have tell me where you've got this from but I've got this one particular training shirt it's not like a rugby training shirt it's a gym t-shirt Under Armour it's The Rock you know Dwayne Johnson Mm -hmm. his brand so it's got the big balls head that he has on the chest yellow and it's black, slightly looser fitting on me. It's a 2, 3XL. I've had it a couple of years now. It's one of my favourites that I've trained it. And it stinks. Like, it's this mustiness that you can't... It don't care how often you wash it. As soon as I put it on and it gets a bit of heat in it, it's the same smell. It's not Ugh. like BO. It's not. It's like a, it's like a mixture of, like, 
sweat and dried piss. And yet I should throw it away. I've got like loads of overtrained tops, bloody lad. But I don't I don't know why. Maybe maybe I like secretly like the smell. Joe, this makes me feel slightly better because I recently bought a hoodie online and it is a lovely hoodie and it came, you know, the sort of uh, see-through plastic bags that tops come in. Yeah. Yeah. So I've opened this I've opened this thing. It looks great, nice colour, cut is good, and it's got this rank smell. Like a sort of plasticky smell, artificial that is really smelly. So I've just thought this is the bag. It's a lovely top this this top's a keeper. So I've hung this top up inside for a couple of days, waiting for the residual aroma of the plastic top to disappear. Two days. Nothing. All right, I'm thinking, perhaps there's not enough air circulating in the house, so I'll hang it outside off a tree in the garden, right? Three or four days in the garden, still stinks. All right, I think, I'll stick it in the washing machine. I wash this top, Joe, comes out, still smells. What do I do? You get that story and you put it at the start of our <laughs> podcast and make this the worst start to our <laughs> podcast ever. Is that what you do? I don't understand why it still smells, right? So what I've started doing is wearing this top, thinking that my musky man aroma will eventually overpower the smell of this weird smelly top. Do you know what's happened instead? Go on. The smell of the top is so intense, it makes all the other clothes that I'm wearing at the same time smell like that top. More than that, it makes me smell like the smelly top. But I'm not, I'm not making it about me. But I'm trying this whole new Zen lifestyle, exploring lots of different things in my life and trying to suppress a lot of my natural feelings that are bad, trying to suppress them or at least understand them and deal with them so that I'm less of a negative person. But at this moment in time, I have to just stop fighting that and go, what the fuck? are you on about <laughs> this is fucking ludicrous what, uh, this better be going somewhere Tom I do not want to be passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive towards you tell me this is going somewhere not just the case that you've got a smelly top will you do me a favour you've got to say yes or no before I tell you what the favour is well that's fucking stupid I know that would mess your head I- I'll think about it no you can't yes I'll do you a favour will you take the smelly top off me and just try and make it less smelly. I don't care what you do. You can sit on it. You can put it in your washing machine. You can put it with your clothes. I don't care what you do with it, but can you try to unsmelly this top? What the fuck is going on? I don't know what's happened. This is clearly not making the edit, surely. Just say yes or no. Yes, go on. Brilliant, let's get on the show. Hello. I'm Sam Walker. I've spent the last few months talking to this guy. I'm a hunter. It's what I do. He's called KC. Our rules of engagement are pretty simple. If we have to pull a trigger on one person, they're all going to go. He's an American vigilante. And there is one of the biggest men I've ever seen. And he's got a knife in his hand. He rescues kidnapped children. There's no feeling in the world like putting a child back in the arms of its parents. By any means necessary. Well, it's ugly, 
You want me to make sure I don't hurt anybody? He scares me. And he kind of looked at me, and I said, I swear to God, I said, if you do anything other than what I told you to do, I said, I'm going to kill you right here. And he might scare you. About got tears in your eyes right now just thinking about that, don't you? Download the podcast, American Vigilante. Download American Vigilante. Out now. Now. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. It is that time in the pod where we thank our lovely Patreons, the official sponsors of the Joe Marler Show. And today we shall start with Perry Cool Kid Coulson, Chris Top Man Taylor, Dave Salty Steak Gammon, Joe Richie Rich Richmond, not John Barnes, but James Barnes, Ben Shearer, Shearer, Shearer. And the Iron Lady, Maggie W. To be more like Perry, Chris, David, Joe, James, Ben and Maggie, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Our guest today is Dr. Mari Cassidy. She's a forensic pathologist and the author of Beyond the Tape. In her book, she tells the stories of her time as state pathologist of Ireland. Although she's not actually Irish, as you'll hear from her voice in a second. So it's confusing me already, but I'll let you get confused with me. Hello, Mari. Hello, Joel. See? I feel feel like we need a few more words from from Mari to, (laughs) to show us that although you were the state pathologist of Ireland, you're not actually Irish. I started off in Scotland. So I'm Scottish. And it always amazes me. I, I don't think I sound Scottish. I usually think I sound like the person I'm speaking to. So I was always amazed when I worked in Ireland that people would say to me, you're Scottish? And I go, how did you know? <laughs> so I don't know about you. I, th- I think I think Murray sounds about Scottish as it's possible to sound. Hey, hey, agree, agree, you tell, agree, you tell, I, I agree. Is that your Scottish? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. Right. Enough of the fart arsing about. You're a f- f- forensic pathologist. That's that sounds very. Elite to me, mainly because of the ick, the ick at the end of the word, and then the ist. Usually, words that have got ick and ist in tend to be quite. Yeah, I'm thinking of geologist and other ist words. Geometrist, astrologist, psychologist. Good, back on track. What do you mean back on track? I've named four good ones, haven't I? The last one's the best. Any others? <laughs> There will be others, Joe, yeah, but it was your Scientist. point. Yeah, good one. That is a good one. Artist. Don't know about the ick one. Maybe I messed up on the ick forensic. But anyway, the forensic. What is a forensic pathologist? Mm. We are very specialised. It's, it's a niche area. So we started off as doctors, 
And again, a lot of people don't know that and don't realise that. Even the police that I work with are usually quite taken aback and they go, oh, you're a real doctor. And I go, yeah, I'm a real doctor. <laughs> Haven't seen a live patient in 40 years, but yes, I'm a real doctor. That's, um, that would be a problem for me for a doctor. Doctors opening gambit to me, Joe, was I haven't seen a living patient for 40 years. That's yeah. a red flag. Yeah. Um, or I have seen loads of living patients, <laughs> but after the appointment, that's not the case anymore. So <laughs> that would be even bigger red flag, like, yeah. a, like a double-sized red Huge flag. flag. Yeah. Hmm. So never give me any of your medical problems, because I always say... You're not dead, so it can't be that serious. <laughs> wow. No blood, was it no blood, no sympathy? I always used to get that quite like, In fact, I still get it from Daisy. No blood, no sympathy. Get on with it. I'm like, all oh, right, Christ. Yeah. Just, just saying, I've cut my... Anyway. Um, so you, you deal with the dead. What exactly do you have to go and do? Well, I'm, uh, forensic pathology is a specialist area, and I've even subspecialised in murder. So I don't get Ooh. involved in any death unless it's a suspect murder. Why? Um, well, I became interested in death because I found it quite interesting why people die. You, know, you spend six years at medical college learning how to keep people alive, but despite your best efforts, some of them die. Mm. And it's, that's, <laughs> that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. But I was fascinated as to why do they die? Why did they die? You know, why did they die on a Tuesday rather than on Wednesday? So I became fascinated in working out why people die. And then as part of that, then I became more interested in the not just people who died from heart attacks or cancer or whatever it is, but then people who died in accidents and suicides. And then, of course, that leads you into murder. Joe, we've gone literally and metaphorically very dark already. This studio is about <laughs> as dark as I've ever seen it. It could be midnight. There could have been a nuclear holocaust outside. We'd have no idea. It's that dark in this studio. Are you happy going to a dark place with this episode of the pod? I don't mind. Like I, I grew up watching Waking the Dead. Did you ever watch Waking the Dead no. with uh, the woman from the royal family? Oh, Sue. Right. Sue. What's her name? Oh. Sue Johnson. Sue uh-huh. Johnson. I grew up watching that. I was obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. Right from... 12 until 16, growing up, watching that on a weekly basis, all these cold cases, going to the crime scenes, looking back at how it happened, all the different... I just loved it. I I still love that sort of stuff now. So I do have a little bit inside me that, I don't know, is really interesting, fascinated by that darker matter. So, yeah, I I sit quite comfortably here, Tom. You sit uh, with your arms folded. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit... Worse for the wear, by the looks of it. I was going to ask you, Joe, if you've ever seen a dead person, and I realised that I have never seen a dead person. Oh, really? Yeah. I've seen one. Mm. I've seen people who would subsequently die, but that's not the same, is it? What um, do you mean? <laughs> well, I saw my gran, and she's now dead. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. No, that doesn't count. No. She was, she was alive at the time you saw her? Yes. Oh, OK. Mm. Yeah, for the totality of the time I knew her, yeah. I've not seen... No, I've seen a body in a bag being carried out. In fact, two being carried out of a building. Where was that? One was a a family member and the other was downstairs, a a neighbour who lived downstairs in this block of flats that, what was his name? Paul, no, Chris, something. But Brooker, my my flatmate at the time, he said, Bab, have a look out the window. 
I was like, what? He's like, look out the window right now, right now, right now. I looked out the window and they were carrying this massive black body bag out. But I was like, what's that? He's like, Eerie, that's Chris from Joan Stairs. What? I don't what? <laughs> he, went, he, was, he was old. He was a lot older. He's like, oh my God. That was, and immediately I went, that wasn't us. He said, what? Why did you think it was us? I was like, because we, our toilet was leaking down into his. And that was, but that was like months ago and that didn't actually cause his death, funny Oof. enough. Yeah. I didn't actually do too much investigation into it, so it still might be. <laughs> yeah, it might be a live one from from Murray to, uh, yes. to, to have a look at. But technically, the body was wrapped up, so it doesn't really count. But what about you, Murray? Mm. Have you got like a rough number of bodies that you've seen? Mm, I don't know, thousands and thousands. Really? Oh wow! Well, yeah. Is it possible you have seen more dead people than anyone else in the country? No. Not in this country. Okay. Because England is different, the system's different here. Mm. So forensic pathologists in England do um, unnatural deaths, they do accidents and suicides and murders. So they maybe see, and the majority of deaths that get investigated by a coroner, a coroner's a person in law who deals with deaths, any unusual death gets reported to the coroner. Um, and the coroner's one who requests a post-mortem. And the forensic pathologists do majority of these. But strangely enough, the majority of deaths that reported turn out to be natural causes. So they see literally thousands. They can see sometimes see thousands a year. Oof. But why is it different in Ireland? Well, everything's different in Ireland. <laughs> Everything seen, is different in Ireland. <laughs> have you seen, in your time working as the state pathologist for mm. Ireland, did you see every murder victim? Yes. <sighs> yes. I'm really, really fascinated. I know it's like macabre and dark. So, you know, don't confuse my fascination to being actually I'm a secret serial killer murderer and I'm going to take all these different techniques on board and I'll oh, try that one out. Oh, you mean line the boot? Yeah. Oh, you use, oh, you use masking tape in, instead of sellotape? Oh, no, you use, a, you use black gloves instead of blue gloves. I'm not taking any of that on there. Although you do seem to know a lot about <laughs> No, that was just from Daisy's granddad. I've told you that one. Have you? Uh, he'd not... <laughs> yeah, he'd... I, was, I had this big thing in my car, a little golf. I'd made this wheel of misfortune in it. I've told you this. Huh? Okay, I made this wheel of misfortune out of the wood and that lot. A mate of mine helped me make it and I had to transport it back home. So I pulled out, it was quite dark. And I've gone up the hill, this this va this truck from the other side of the road's hit a deer that's come out and then hit it onto me. And then I've hit this deer. He hasn't pulled over and I've had to pull over the front of the golf's wrecked. And there's this deer like kicking in front of me on the floor and I'm like, Oh my god, I don't know what to do here. Oh my god, who do I call? What do you know? So I called Daisy's granddad because he's like proper old school, you know, proper farmer and stuff like that. He'll know. He'll definitely know, surely. So he came up. He's parked up behind me. And he's like, all right, Joe, where, where's it out? Where's it out? And he's like, all right, help me drag it into the woods bit. I was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And then uh, he pulls out this giant knife. <laughs> like, it's perfectly sharpened. I'm like, where the fuck has he got that from? <laughs> <laughs> I've never ever seen that knife before. Every time, you know, it's, put, it's obviously his special knife, and he's done the humane thing and cut the mm. uh, deer's throat. And just like he's there, like stroking it. Shh, it's okay. It's okay. Really quite emotional moment, actually. 
Yeah. yeah. There, there, there. It'll be fine. Okay, It'll be fine. You, now you've dressed it up like that. It's not emotional in the slightest. Can I just clarify an important detail? How injured was the deer? Yeah, it was. It was. Its legs were. Oh right. Okay. So yeah. No. <laughs> Here, Joe, hold it down. We'll stay easy. Okay. So he's done that, and it's it. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit emotional watching it. You know, something died, and, and then uh, he then starts like. Sh- sh- I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, and then um, he turns around and lifts up the leg. What? And hands me it. And I'm like, what am I doing with that then? He said, I'll just put it in the put it in the boot of the car. I was like, pardon? He said, put it in the boot of the car. It'll make some, it'll make some nice steaks out of that. I went, what the fuck? So he's handed me this leg. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the boot of his, his Astra that he's parked up behind my golf. It's pitch black. I open the boot. It is, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? immaculately lined with bin bags no. like sellotaped to the top of the uh, headrests the sides have always sellotaped down it's unbelievable the whole get up and just plop plop the leg in there I go back he's still cutting bits and bobs up and all that lot and put that in oh no that bit's shot to shit you know and he's just put it in there and I'm, I'm like okay fine he shuts the boot gets in the car says are you going to be alright I said yeah should be cheers he drives off and I just sit there for a moment going Oh my god! And then two weeks later, we'd gone round for a cup of tea, and he puts this plate in front of me because they usually make something whenever we go around to see him. You know, a bit of bread and butter pudding, or you know, something to do. And he puts this bit of meat in front of me and thing. So well, try that then. And I'm like, "What's that?" He was like, "That was that deer from the other week." <laughs> <laughs> I went, "Fuck off, half! There's not a chance I'm trying that at all. I'm not doing it. Don't like it. Not having it." Um, so yeah I don't know why I told you that that's the only time that I've felt like a a, a serial killer but I'm not even though I've got some experience of it from that so Mari for Joe and I who haven't properly then seen a dead body what does a dead person look like? same as it looked like when they were alive except they're not moving anymore that's a very good answer <laughs> yeah that was really good I love that you wanted more but she didn't give you more she gave you the truth colour of skin it goes pale it goes, goes pale because blood drains because it's not pumping anymore because your heart stopped the blood's not circulating so when you when it stops then gravity takes control and so it pulls it down. So if you if, if you leave, and that's why people go and they go, oh, I saw my uncle Jimmy, and oh, he looked so pale and cold. It looks pale because the blood has drained to the back of his head. Oh. <laughs> so if you flipped him over, he'd look quite healthy. Exactly. He'd so look very ruddy. Are you suggesting that if you do have a relative that's just died, you should actually ha- not hang them, but like put them on a bed that's see-through, like a glass bed, like a glass table and face down on the glass table, and then you have to get on the floor, <laughs> and you look up at them, that at least it'll be a nice last, because they'll have good colour in their skin because yeah, of it. Yeah, but then it gets a bit much, and then it goes a bit purple, and, uh, you know. Oh, so you've got to be quick. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> how, how quickly? Is rigor mortis a real thing, by the way? Yeah, of course it is. What's, what's rigor mortis? When people, when the, the, the limbs stiffen up. So you get people who start off, and they... They're all floppy. You know, people try and lift a dead body and you see it in films and things yeah. like that and they're going, oh, this is really hard to, to move yeah. because they're all floppy. And then, but if they left them a couple of hours, 
they would start to stiffen up. They're much easier to move piece at that piece. point. <laughs> right, hang on. Wait a few hours before yeah. moving the body. Okay. Why, why do they stiffen up? It's a chemical reaction in the muscles. So it breaks down the component part of the, the muscle and it stiffens them up. It's not the same as when you, you move your joints. So am I, rig- am I rigor mortised right now? Um, you, you could well be. Well, I'm tensing really hard. <laughs> Is that what happens when you rigor mortise? No, no. No, it happens inside the muscles, inside oh. the muscle fibres. So it's something that you, you have no control over. And then, it's, and then it goes away again. It goes away? Yeah. They stiffen up. In about 12 hours, they'll be stiff as a board. And then it all starts to break down again and the, mus- the muscles go mushy. So when you die, I just think, I just picture when you die, your body just stops. Right, because you're dead. Okay? I know mm-hmm. that sounds stupid, but you die, you're dead, your body stops. But that's clearly not the case then, because surely there's chemical reactions still going on even though you're dead, because there's still stuff left in your body yeah. that is still mixing around. And So you're, so you're not dead. So even when you're no, dead, you you're are not. dead. No, No, so even when you are dead, you're, not, you're alive. There's all, of, all sorts of little cells in your body sitting there going, she hasn't moved for a while. <laughs> not going for a walk today just and, then they suddenly, and then they suddenly just go run out of oxygen and then they keel over so if joe was to keep really still on his way home because it's a decent train journey yeah could he could any of those chemicals go i think it's rigor mortis time <laughs> what do you mean because you're right if these little chemical reactions are happening because you're not moving yeah but that same as cramp <laughs> like, look, look if i do this with my thing i know yeah. it's on a podcast you can't yeah. see but see where i've done that with my neck yeah Oh, you can't. I've got a beard. You can't fucking see it. Like, if I tense my, <laughs> yeah. I tense my neck really hard... If you push it, you're basically yeah. you're pulling look, your head into look, your shoulder. It's, yeah. it's cramped now. Is that rigor mortis? No. Oh, fuck. That's your muscle going into spasm. This is completely different. Oh, so you're saying completely we can't different. do rigor mortis unless we die? That's it. Oh. This is, this can, is we, be... can we offer up you as the experiment? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm I younger. I've I got... can't sit here yeah, for 12 true. hours waiting for him to go stiff. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You need it's to not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I walked into that one. Yeah. That was <laughs> good. With rigor mortis, could you... I'm sure you wouldn't because death is a serious business, but let's say that, that Joe um, had a massive coronary after his Vietnamese lunch and... Um, I wanted to uh, pose him in an amusing fashion. How long would I have with rigor mortis? Like, could I put him like, scratching his beard or with his hand on his hip? Oh, yeah, you've got a few hours. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you get some good photos mm-hmm. in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like some of those, uh, I think it's Mexican or South American funerals that they do, don't they? Where they pose them mm-hmm. in there, yeah. it, like up on all a chair, dressed, all, all dressed, dressed up, up as if yeah. they're still alive yeah. with the glasses on and the hat mm-hmm. on. It's not the same as having an open casket where you can go and pay your respect. They literally dress them up. Yeah, all take blinged photographs. Up, yeah. Sat in a chair next yeah. to it. It's a bit like going to see Santa's grotto. Okay. You sit on their knee and you're having a photo of this body. I was like, it's each to their own, of course, but that's a... Oh. Yes. And you've got to be... Qu- surely surely you've got to be quick as well because I'm guessing some of the smells you've probably come across. Oh, yeah. But remember, I think Mexico and places like that, they're Catholic countries, so things do happen very, very quickly. I mean, that's like in in Ireland. I'm not saying they pose the bodies, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, sooner have you got taking your last breath than the the priest is in there, you're doused in holy water, and you're in a coffin and you're 
somebody's been out there digging. <laughs> and they still do things like they do, you know, that family gets together to dig a grave down mm. the country. Otherwise, we just go with the grave diggers will do. Well, you don't ask. I think some little pixie or something goes out in the middle of the night and digs a big hole and you all stand right about it. But they actually do that as a family. Don't know about that. No. It's hard work. No, it's It's hard hard work. work. For you, it's quite a decent sized hole as well. Just get a digger in, no? Yeah. 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 If I were going to pose you, Joe, what pose would you like? I'm thinking like snooker player would be my first option for you. Why is that the first option? Just because I think it would look ludicrous. Snooker player. Yeah, so you're 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 basically you're bending down over a long pot down the ball cushion. No. Um, no, I tell you what, I'd like to be hung as if I was skydiving. Oh, because mm. I want the colour to drain to my face, and oh, you've yeah. got to be really quick. And but I'm also dressed like I'm skydiving, and I'm mouth fixed <laughs> with a smile, not too creepy, but a smile. And then, like the photos have to be like selfied. Uh, only is that okay? Yeah, it's perfect. All right, we'll do that one. Can we get back to slightly? <laughs> Sorry, we yes. started off, you know, a bit more darker, more serious mm. episode, and then you've just. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring it back now. Yeah. Can you still remember the first murder victim you saw? The first one um, in Glasgow. Yes. Yeah. What was the cause of death? Cause of death was, in pathology parlance, uh, blunt force trauma to the head. I've heard that before. Somebody had kicked his head in. Yep. Oh. What? <laughs> so what? <laughs> that's what baffles me. Why don't you? Why don't you say the second bit? Like, why don't you write that down on the on the what's it got post mortem? Mm-hmm. Somebody kicked his head in instead oh, of it was a blunt force trauma. Well, you've got to you've got to use the medical terminology because the the death has to be registered. Right. And the registrars like it to be nice and proper. So they don't like things like kicked head in. He's kicked his fucking head in. They don't like that. It's not going to go down well, is it? Yeah, it doesn't come into any of the categories that they would normally fit things into. So, yeah, it's got to be very precise. So blunt force trauma. trauma And that was the very first, like, Mm. dead body. It wasn't the first dead body, but it was the first murder. The first murder. Mm -hmm. And what did you... I know it sounds weird, but were you excited, as in adrenaline... Kind oh, yeah. of like this is my first case. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been wanting to do, wanting yeah. to work out. So you're overcome with adrenaline a bit. Well, you just you don't know what you're going to go into it. And I did so many false starts. You know, go out to that case. It might be a murder, and go out and go. It's a drug addict died from an overdose. Oh, this one is just somebody who's fallen in the street and got yeah. a head injury. Yeah. And then you get the first one, and this guy was found in a field beside a stream. And I had to climb over fences to get to it. And then what, what, then what do you do? What, what do you do to go about investigating that then? Nothing very much at the scene. I'd never do anything very much at the scene, just having a look at the body. So I'd be going, yes, Inspector, yeah, I don't like the look of it either. There's a lot of blood about. His head's looking a bit nasty. But wait till we get him back to the mortuary. So then you get him back to the mortuary. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? Then we start and start at the top and we work our way down to the bottom. And is it is it is it similar? To, is Silent Witness pretty accurate? Where you you see the scenes where they've got the cameras out and they're doing ksh, ksh, and you're talking or you're talking mm-hmm. into a dictaphone as well. Like mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be some discoloration of the earlobe, um, probably where they've had their ear pierced. Actually, um, 
Do you, do you do that? Do you work it from top to bottom and, yeah. and you're doing that all the way yeah. down? You've got to you've got to look over the body and make sure that you don't miss anything. So you start off, even down to little things like moles on the body, on the face or on the back or something, and then all the injuries. You, have you got a moly back, Joe? Is that why you did that face? <laughs> 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 I've got a horrible... No, I'm not even going to say that story. That is just... It's just such a weird story. <laughs> Come on then. No, I can't. No. <laughs> I have to now. I haven't done it. <laughs> So my two-year-old, oh my God, it's making me feel sick. My two-year-old Felix, he he likes, when I carry him, he always puts his hand in my neck of my shirt and he plays, I've got this like small mole, it's about, it's not very big, what's that the size of, Tom? Like a pea. Yeah. Size of a pea, but it's a flat mole, so it's not one that sticks out, it's just, mm-hmm. but he raised a little bit and he just loves flicking it for some reason. He's like, and he'll go, my mole, my mole. And I'm like, no, no, it's my mole. <laughs> And he'll go, my mole, my mole. I was like, okay. So I'm holding him one day and <laughs> I've got a scab next to my mole. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So he's... <laughs> oh. Hey, and you're meant to be a forensic pathologist. I can understand him, but that face already. So he's he's flicking, he's playing with my mole, which is his mole, and then he's picked my scab next to it and I've gone, ow, I've gone, ow. What are you doing? Ow! And he's like, my mole, my mole. I was like, no, no. But anyway, his hand comes out of the shirt of my neck. And oh, then I look no. at him and he goes, oh. he sticks his mouth. And I went, what oh. are you doing? What are you doing? He went, my mole. I was like, oh! Oh, God. Oh. Oh. And I told Daisy that and she was just, you're like, you're disgusting. I was like, it happened so fast. I couldn't stop what was going on. He's two. It's not a regular thing. Like, it's not. And now every time I check to make sure, like, oh, my back's all right. Yeah, you can play with my mole if you want. Just in case, rather than eat my scabs. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, God. As if you're weirded out by that. The things that you've seen and you go, Yeah, oh. but you're alive. If you were dead oh, and you okay. picked a scab and you were dead, that's fine. Oh, so it's play on for a two-year-old to eat a dead person's scab, but not an alive that's person. fine. Yeah. That's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Can I ask you, Mike, what smells first with a body? On their feet. Um, <laughs> it's a general odour that comes off them. Distinctive? It's once, you've, once you smell it, you don't forget about it. Really? You're making a yeah. face there. Because oh, it is. It's not very what pleasant. What does it smell like? Is there a... It's like really, really rotten cheese. You know, how long How long's that take? Oh, that can take a few days. Right. It depends on how cold the air is. Yeah. If it's like in Scotland... <laughs> they survive quite a while before they go off, whereas down in the south here, in the sunny south, people would go off quite quickly. So they go kind of dark and green and nasty. And smell. and you might find that body what a week, two weeks, sometimes longer. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. How are you cleaning that up? Like you know, sometimes you if you go out for a drink, some of your mates might smoke, and you go back mm. home and you smell a smoke. You obviously some well, you don't go out for a drink with them, but. You spend a lot of time with dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Do you end up smelling, smelling like a dead yeah, body? Yeah, unfortunately, that whatever it is, it clings to you, oh. and it clings to your hair and your clothes, and it gets inside the hairs in your nose. Oh. So you smell it for a long time, oh. which is really—I mean, I, I'm so used to it; it doesn't bother me. But you must have like 
an iron stomach. You're sitting here like the biggest smile in the world. Just like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you're describing all these things, but I can absolutely fucking handle it. Yeah. Well, I suppose you, actually, you can't be a forensic pathologist no. and you're yeah. frying up all over That's the body. You can't say only do the fresh ones. No, sorry. <laughs> what's the what's the deadest person you've seen? The deadest, as in the smelliest. <laughs> the deadest. <laughs> it's either dead or alive. You can't, you I know. can't be half dead. Right, Joe. We have to we have to try and estimate um, how long the person that Murray has seen, how long they've been deceased for. So I would say four months. Four months. Mm. That's a lot. That's that's like 120 days at least. Well done. Yeah. Nah, a couple of days. A couple of days old. Longer. Longer than four months. Mm-hmm. Longer than four months. Years. Years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, how, 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 how many years? How many years had this body been Um down? Well, see, it depends on how you're coming across it because we do exhumations. So the last exhumation I did, the the people there was five in the the grave, and there was they'd been there for twenty years. And you have to dig that body up. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I, mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even know what's left. Has it gone not that, a lot? Not has it gone that far <laughs> that it doesn't lot. actually smell, or it's not rotten anymore because it has? Well, it's it's decayed it's, so much. Yeah, it depends. Well, see, it depends because if. <laughs> If they've been buried in wet ground, they become very soggy and smelly. Whereas if it's in a dry, you know, like, it's a strange thing. But people sometimes put bodies in the attic and they, they dry out. So they mummify. So mummified bodies don't smell. Right. They might be a bit whiffy, but not nothing like the wet bodies. It sounds a lot like the way I do my biltong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little heated light, a yeah. bit of fan, really mm-hmm. dry the air out. That's really? all you're doing is you're mummifying it. Okay, now, me and Arthur, Daisy's granddad, are going to make a hell of a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So this body had been a couple... Over to, what was the longest body? Um, the longest one would be roughly about 20 years. What, yeah. So what was left? Bones. Because bones, you know, they're kind of robust, so they hang about for a long, long time. Um, and wee bits of tissue, but not a great deal. And bits of clothes. Eyes? Oh, they go very quickly. They're soft. Teeth? Oh, teeth are oh, teeth are great because they last through earthquakes, explosions, whatever. What about <laughs> nails and toenails? They come off after, you know, a couple of weeks, they start to detach. So unless you're being mummified, because if you're mummified, then everything just shrivels up. So you're just left the way you were. And are, is, the rate, is the rate that you decay at, is it um, linked to the size you are? So would Joe mm. take slightly longer to decay? Look at that face. Would Joe take slightly longer to decay than, for example, a scrum half or fly half? Mm, that's a very good question, actually. Um, because what happens is you more or less decay from the inside out. Ooh. So does the, is the f- higher fat content, the fact that I'm more ribeye than I am, um, what's, the, what's the state with no fat? See, I don't Fill even it. know the name. Fill it. Don't even know the name because I don't fucking go anywhere near it. <laughs> I only do fatty steaks. So I'm more ribeye than I am fillet. Yeah. So 
Am I going to? So the fat liquefies pretty quickly. quickly. Yeah. So I decay quicker, even though there's a lot more of me. Yeah. Whereas you, Tom, you're very lean, handsome, Mm. old. Um, (laughs) You're going to take ages. So you'll be quite handy to put in the attic. And I could at least go a year without anyone detecting you. Not not a sniff. Not Mm -hmm. a sniff. Because also the smell rises. Does it? Does smell rise? Or is that just hot air? Yeah, it's hot air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should know. <laughs> I haven't really done that, that well, have I? Have you been haunted by any of the things you've seen? How do you push those things? When you go home for your tea and someone's done your nice, I don't know, nice casserole or something like that, mm. how do you separate the day from the evening? Like that, just switch off. You have to. Otherwise I'd be sitting here in tears rather than... <laughs> <laughs> and sitting smiling and talking to you. You just have to be able to cope with it. So you just, whatever you do, you know, have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, watch Coronation Street, well, you sh- any you drivel sh- at all. Yeah, you, sh- you strike me as someone who's obviously incredibly strong and robust in terms of just switching the day job off. Because I guess you have to, don't you? Mm, Otherwise, yeah. it would drive you mad. Of course it would. You know, you consume yourself. But when you're at work, you're in the moment. You, I, I mm. guess you're not there stood over the body having a laugh and a joke with us. You're actually in work mode. Mm-hmm. You're in the zone yeah. trying to do it. And then you're you focused. Get, you get, get them back to the mortuary and you're doing it all. And, blah, blah, blah. and then uh, actually it's quite scary because you have got a lot of similarities to then someone who may or may not have committed that murder who's capable of doing that. And then showing to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just having a laugh and a joke, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And now you give me those eyes yeah. as if, oh my God, you've rumbled me. <laughs> <laughs> what a great cover up. I'll be the state pathologist of Ireland. And yet I'm the biggest. Oh my God. Oh God. I'm making all this story up in my head. And now I think it's coming true that you're the biggest serial killer there's ever been. I can't get it out of my eyes. Well, arms. actually, I'm probably the smallest serial killer you've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, my God, stop it. Oh, reality. It's not coming true. It's not coming deep breath, Joe, deep breath. It's, it's the darkness. It's it's Lou's face just qu- been dark completely outside. And then I look round and she, it's been lit up by her laptop. And that is scary as fuck. Stop that is doing terrifying. It. it is, isn't it? Not your face. Your face isn't terrifying. I mean, just the, the way it is. So I don't know about you, this is feeling very much like a two-parter to me because we've heard some amazing stuff so far, but there's a lot of questions on your pad, I can see there, and on my pad that we haven't got into. So why don't we split it? We'll end part one here, and then everyone can come back for more of you, me, and most importantly, Mari, in part two, yeah? See you in a second. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Podcast Network.